episode of Sluts and Scholars is brought to you by Balesa.co. Balesa is an empowering adult entertainment website for women. Launched just a year ago, Balesa has quickly grown to become a premier destination in porn with millions of women around the world joining the community. So go to Balesa.co to see some steamy videos that prioritize female pleasure, read some of the best erotic fiction on the web, and read some articles that talk about sex, relationships, and female health. Thanks to Balesa.co. Want to hear more? Follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, or check out slutsandscholars.com. Welcome back to Sluts and Scholars. Like any kind of sex, we like to change it up a little bit, and we're going to start doing something new, not just a new person. Um, so basically, a while ago, we wanted to do a Q&A episode, and we've gotten so many fucking amazing questions and stories from all of you amazing listeners out there, and... We've decided that instead of just doing one Q&A episode, we're going to sprinkle in some of our faves. So we're going to start off with this one incredible email that has really stuck with me. We got this back in December, and Nicoletta is going to do a dramatic reading. Yes, and sorry that it's taken us so long to do this Q&A thing, but I'm glad that we're going to be doing it weekly. So please send us your questions to slutsandscholars at Gmail, and if you'd rather us not feature it on the show, just let us know. Um, So we will call this person B. So B emailed and said, I'm a 43-year-old father of two, happily married for over 20 years, and my daughter is 12. I consider myself a feminist dad. Feminist dad. Feminist has a capital and dad has a capital. Title. Just so you know. Title. Over the past two years, we've gently held age-appropriate conversations with my daughter about sex and gender. Two summers ago, a boy told my daughter how babies were made, quote-unquote, and she wanted to know if it was true. We confirmed some facts, broke down what was wrong, etc. She thought it sounded gross, lol. Fast forward to the past year where we've talked about smart cell phone use and internet use, what to do when a boy has a crush on you, or if he asks you to a school or dance or other school function. Uh, When school held the annual sex talk which I wish it was not an annual sex talk. It should be an ongoing conversation. That's what Nicola is adding. Snaps, snaps, We had a good long discussion on sex and gender bias. We talked about how women make less money than men. At that point, she told us that she didn't think she'd ever want to have sex with a boy because she didn't want to be naked in front of him. She was 11. I get that. Maybe I'll just be a lesbian, she said. I said, well, that's pretty much the same thing. The physical stuff is a little different, but you'd still take your clothes off with a partner. Gross. I'll just be asexual. That's a thing, Dad. He said, yep, it sure is. If that's what you decide, I'm cool with it. I went on and explained. Sex between two people who love each other is a wonderful thing. It's bonding, it's intimate, and it feels awesome. And it's fun. And even when two people just sort of like each other, it still feels pretty good. She groaned and changed the subject. Fast forward to recently, after a seventh grade school dance, I asked her if she had a crush on a boy. She said she didn't have any crushes and that she just wants to hang out with her girlfriends. She wondered if she was gay. I told her that typically a father would say, well, you'll like boys eventually, but I didn't want to force that on her. I told her that she's still only 12 and that likely when she gets deeper into puberty that crushes and liking boys will probably happen. But if you like girls or you like boys or girls, that's fine with me and mom. There are people that are straight, gay, bi, pansexual, all sorts of things. And if that's how she identifies, that's cool. I'm safe to tell that too. I'm safe to tell that too, and we love you no matter who you choose to date. I get the feeling I'm doing an okay job as a feminist dad, 
Am I missing anything? I feel like there's not a lot of advice for men on how to raise a daughter who's not terrified of her sexuality. So what oh do we think? God. Is B doing a good job? B, I think you're doing such a good job. I'm ashamed that we did not answer you earlier because your email really resonated with me and I actually think about it a lot when we're talking about sex ed and how to have conversations as a parent with kids. Um, I think you're doing a really great job. And I think what you're, what's a really interesting thing that you're bringing up is that there aren't a ton of resources for how can fathers talk to their kids about sex. Yeah, I think there's... Um, or their daughters. There's some good resources out there that might be mom-centric or you might think they're mom-centric, but I think that any... I don't want to say any, but a lot of that information can be used no matter what gender you are as a parent. Mm -hmm. um, but know that your child might have a different reaction if they're getting it from mom versus dad. And, and that's assuming a heterosexual relationship because what if you have two male figures as mm -hmm. your parents? Mm -hmm. um, I think you really touched on a lot of key points too that you want your sex education to be age appropriate. I think if, yeah. you're, if your kids ask the question, they're ready to hear an answer of some kind. Um, I think just make sure not to go overboard with to and flood them with too much info because you want to be so sex positive. Yeah, but I mean, to answer your question, which I feel like is not even necessary, I think you're doing a really great job. And like, are you missing anything? I don't think so. I think, I think yeah, like what Nicoletta just said, answering her questions when they come up and making her know that you are a person that you can ask questions of. Yeah, and even if, for other listeners who are tuning in, I think even if your kids respond with like, ew, that's gross. It doesn't mean they're not taking in that information and not only using it in their own life, but also using it to shape themselves and hopefully not have shame about their sexuality. So even if kids are like, ew, gross, I don't want to hear that from my parents, like that doesn't mean it's not helpful to have that conversation. They might and probably will react like that at a certain point in well, time. Maybe, but maybe not. Like, I don't know. My parents always made it very clear that I could ask them anything. And so whenever my friends had a question about sex, they would like tell me to ask my parents what their question was. Yeah. And same. so one of my friends, I remember she was in like a chat room and someone asked her if she had a wet pussy and she had no idea what that meant. And I also had no idea. We were. I think this was probably like third or fourth grade. Like I was not more than 10 years old. And I will never forget asking my parents. They were like in the dining room. And I went and I asked them. I said, so uh, what does a wet pussy mean? And they both groaned and were like, oh, as if you don't know. <laughs> that was their response. And I was really? like, no, I genuinely don't. And they didn't believe me that it was a real question. So... I mean, obviously, I turned out okay, and that was just, like, it's more of a funny story than an actual fuck-up. But, like, treat every question seriously. I mean, Simone and I have talked about this before, and hopefully we'll do a full episode on it in the future. But, like, how we got lucky yeah. or privileged enough to end up feeling so confident around sex and sexuality and talking about it. Um, and I really do feel like a lot of it, or some of it at least, has to do with upbringing and your parents. So I think that you're— you know, B, you're doing a wonderful job and it's an ongoing conversation. Keep it going. And yeah. any we would other love parents to hear, listen. hear from you. Yeah. And any other parents who listen, we'd love to hear if you have questions specifically on this topic or advice, yeah. things that maybe weren't in B's email that you have noticed works really well for you and your kids. Um, now get ready for our very special guest. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars where we talk smart and fuck smarter. I'm Simone. 
And I'm Nicoletta, and this week we have joining us Nina Joyner. Well, joining us, Nina Joyner. Uh, the founder of Feelmore Adult Gallery <laughs> in Oakland, California. Uh, Feelmore is an adult store with a big difference between other adult theme stores. In addition to selling top-notch traditional adult products, Feelmore focuses on connecting pop culture with sexual expression and art. So, hi. Wow. Hey, what's up, guys? Nina, what does that mean? That means that we really want to be about community. Um, I think, you know, when we talk about community in uh, the sex industry, we're always talking about sex work. But I also think that, you know, just the way the world is going today and politics, that we got to start thinking about not just sex work, but also, you know, where we plant our feet. And that makes Mm. a difference in who we elect and how we plant our feet, where we plant our feet, and the jobs that are out there if we want to transition. Because, you know, in, in the adult business, we're kind of the forgotten, the forgotten few. And uh, we need to be remembered that we're also people as well. I think it's super interesting that you're striving to create a community at, you know, what's kind of a sex shop, right? Because yeah, that's such sounds a like s- it's so much more than a sex shop, but yeah. But the point that, that making- is our original mantra. It's more than just sex. Right. But I, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that typically these are places that we go to in secret. We go at night. They have late hours. We're, we're almost ashamed to yeah, go to these stores. Yeah, you don't talk stores. to anyone while you're there. You don't make eye contact. It's like bright fluorescent mm-hmm. lights. Yeah. And I, I love that you're kind of fucking with that. You're like, no, that's not how it has <laughs> yes. to be. Buying things that make you feel good is... Good. <laughs> can be an enjoyable, fun experience. And a community-based activity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think here at Fillmore, our space is definitely a collision space where you can find anything from, like, politic, politicians outside. Um, the other day, we just had tra- the founder of Trap Yoga in, and she was just passing by with her DJ. And um, it's just a lot of people out there doing some great things. Like uh, my partner, she's actually getting ready to do like a queer Toastmasters here where we can kind of talk about, um, you know, what is it like pitching your business, you know, and and you talk about marginalized communities. There's so many marginalized communities, but we wanted to do that in the sex space because we have we have a brick and mortar. And when you're in business, it's always about selling your product. But I think when, uh, you know, just the landscape of business has changed where you have to be about not just your product, but about people. Right. Well, otherwise people are just going to order your product online. Yeah, And I don't want to speak for Simone, but in general, I would say uh-huh. that Simone and I are privileged in that we fall into the maybe like cisgendered white female space so that we do, we have right, had right. spaces in maybe the the sex and the pleasure communities um, in a lot more ways. Mm-hmm. So I, I would love to hear you talk more about how you're making a space for queer people of color. Yeah, we definitely, we, we make this for all people, but we definitely um, know that there's a lot of marginalized communities out there and queer people are a marginalized community. Um, and, and this place isn't just for someone, it's for everybody. As long as you got green, green money and also a, a level of respect, we can always accept you here. So so that's our that's our foremost uh, reasoning behind who we who we call our customers, but we definitely want to make sure that we give space in those community senses, uh, not just for classes around blowjobs or you know how to peg your boyfriend, but you know it's very we hard those to peg your boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love those classes, but it's very hard to peg your boyfriend when you are worried about housing. 
And yeah. so we want to, we want to not only just give space for, uh, the sexual part of us, but we also want to give space for the, the necessities and the intellectual parts of us as well. Oh, I fucking love that. Basically placing your sexual needs as just a shame free and important place as all of your mm-hmm. other needs or whatever you want to have a fulfilled life. I think that's, that's Absolutely. incredible. It's so smart to be like, yeah, you, you need to have a healthy, you want to have a healthy sex life, but you need all these other things too. What kind of programming do you put on that's kind of on par with your sexual programming? Well, we just had someone um, reach out to us. So it's the second time it's happened here. We've had queer Bible study here. Um, cool. Which That's is awesome. Really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's not to say everybody, some, most people don't believe in, uh, religion. Uh, but we wanted to, you know, you talk about queer people moving away from the church and what that looks like. So this particular person, uh, reached out to us and they said, Hey, this is what we want to do. Their name is Jordan. And, uh, we said, we, we think it's great because there are a lot of people who believe what you believe and we want to give space. So before the doors open, we actually give them access to the space to use that. Uh, we're going to be starting up. I think my partner hasn't really settled on the name, but she's looking at purpose driven, um, you know, where you're talking about your businesses and your, your business, like how to get access to capital. And, and these are all things that are just happening in our community. We've had once where we had a uh, programming where uh, there was a psychologist that came in and talked about switching roles in a relationship. So like if it's a man and a cisgender man and he's dominant and a female, he lost his job at the time. Now she's the breadwinner. Mm. What does that look like? The dynamics mm. in your relationship, you know, when you can kind of talk about those things and, and start to um, head them, head them off before they happen, you start to have a better understanding and appreciation of what's going on and not, uh, cause I get so many people that come in and say, well, you know, my relationships, my relationship is failing. I want to buy them something. But by that time, it's really too late. Hmm. When do you think you noticed that there was a need for more space for diverse people or people of color, um, in the sex ha- space? Well, I had to, um, I definitely wanted to make sure our customers, uh, you know, Oakland is changing. We've changed so much. I mean, the blink of an eye, uh, the demographics have changed. The age demographic has changed. The, the work, uh, workspaces have changed. But when we actually, one year we have, when I first started, I wanted to do like, Hey, how to do a blowjob class. And that person actually, um, booked a class at another local space. And I thought it was very, I I thought it was not great business and it was competing. And so what I wanted to do was stay away from those classes that are going to make me compete with other spaces. And I had to trust my gut to believe that I could do something different in this space and not just follow the same narrative Mm -hmm. because everybody's not just, yeah, everybody's not, doesn't have to, what makes a sex store different? If you're doing, you're carrying the same products, you're carrying the same, uh, you're doing the same classes. If you're not really tapping into your, your community and your network to create a culture around what you're doing, that people can come to your space and say, Hey, this is a Fillmore experience. Then it's not worth it because you're doing exactly, you're replicating exactly what someone else says. So when you created the shop, you didn't yet realize mm-hmm. the, um, the alternative quote unquote programming you would have, you kind of realized that you needed to fulfill that or was that the intention from the beginning? 
Well, the um, the intention from the beginning was to have an alternative space. But when you're a small business and you're opening your stores, you're going to kind of grasp at straws and do almost the same thing, even though you're calling it something different as another space. And so I was doing that. And so it was basically, I had to kind of come out of, come out of that mm -hmm. and really, really look at what we're doing and how we're going to kind of drift into our own lane without competing with other people, because it doesn't mean that those classes aren't valid, but there's mm -hmm. other customer, customer base out there that we right. wanted to reach as well. And how did you get to that space? I, I don't know if this is true, but I read it somewhere in an article about mm -hmm. you that you started by maybe selling sex toys out of your Toyota Camry. Yeah, I started <laughs> out the trunk of my car. Is that true? <laughs> that's so funny. No, that is, that is no folklore. That's no fuck lore. That is true. <laughs> so how did you get from that to the store? Wait, I want to know who you were selling sex toys to out of yeah, the back like, of your I car. I want to know all about this. <laughs> Firstly, okay, we well, love that. I, I, <laughs> well, I started selling. I, I woke up from a dream and said, this is what I wanted to do the, in the adult industry. And, you know, like everybody else, we have these bright ideas. And I went with that bright idea. And were you I doing something selling, in uh, the adult industry before or you just had a dream and you no. were like, adult industry is for me? You know, I no, I wasn't doing anything in the adult industry whatsoever whatsoever. Uh, I started at that moment, um, even though I sold out of my car, it really wasn't prominent in the industry, like having a store or a product or a name. And so um, I had to just uh, surf it, if you will. So I would uh, run down to Las Vegas and be a part of the ABN and beg those guys to be on panels down there. Uh, just I started shooting porn with... Um, Courtney Trouble. I uh, shot one of her, one a scene with her. She let me shoot a scene for her. And then I started shooting porn on my own, um, directing uh, porn on my own. I won two feminist porn awards for those. So, I, so I've been in the industry and it, it, while doing some of those things, but definitely before the porn, I actually would go around to the bar stations in the Bay Area. I would go outside of bars, outside of clubs. Hey, and kid, you want a dildo? They wanted to buy. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, I did. I, saw, I had porn. It was it was kind of cumbersome, man. I had two boxes. I was like, hey, I got porn in this box. I got dildos and whatever else you need over here. And people thought it was funny. I, I didn't oh, sell Nina, much, but funny. people thought it was funny. I mean, I even went out there so far as to uh, the company. I worked for Clorox at the time. Uh, so I worked for them for nine years and I would actually want, I wanted to get like a weekend job and see what the industry was like. And I applied to several um, adult stores and they didn't hire me. And well, I, I also went over I bet to they the feel shitty now. <laughs> I don't know what they feel, but um, I'm very grateful for it for having the dream and making sure it, it came to fruition. But uh, I went to San Francisco and I went over to this massage parlor and it was like nine o'clock at night. The guy could only meet me, but he had some technical stuff. He wanted a database transfer. And I was like, hey, I can do that because I came from the tech industry. And he was like, uh, no, I think I'm, I'm good. I think it was a suit that kind of led him thought he thought I was probably like the cops or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I just went dressed nice to the thing. But yeah, I mean, man, I've been just hustling and hitting the pavement for uh, for a long time, and uh, it's been it's been um, you know what they say is if you really want it, we'll we'll know you know how bad do you want it. So I wanted it bad. How so did you, you wanted to? First? Oh, go ahead. So, so you wanted to open up a brick and mortar, <laughs> and you do this on your own. I wanted to. 
Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I actually had uh, one investor at the time. I just, I, I took my, at that time I had, uh, after my camera, I had a Honda Accord and I drove from Oakland to Los Angeles to Las Vegas, talking to family, making all these calls. So those friends and families uh, where they say borrow some money, I didn't have that opportunity. So I came back to Oakland and I had a, a meeting or just, you know, I always went and hung out with her. I hung out with Joni Blank, who started Good Vibrations. Oh, and wow. um, oh. we were, yeah, we were sitting there talking and, and, and uh, just shooting the shit. And uh, I was telling her about, I was like, man, you know, I've gone down here and no one's giving me money. I was like, I don't know what to do. She was like, why didn't you ask me? And uh, at, at that time, I was really floored because uh, I, I never thought to ask her, but I never, you know, ruled her out or never ruled her in. I just thought she was a nice person. You know, I never want to take advantage of anyone. So she, that's the story goes, she, and it's the truth that she offered me the money and uh, I paid her back several times over. And wow. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. That's I mean, so she since passed, but yeah. Yeah. I think, I yeah. think it's so wonderful that your shop is so successful for a few reasons, obviously. But when I think of, um, I know that you are more than just a sex shop, but I, I often think mm -hmm. that sex shops now are mostly chains. Like I think of romantics, I think of good vibrations. And so mm -hmm. you so rarely have a, yeah. Or, yeah, you so rarely yeah. have yeah. a uh, yeah. successful mom and pop or mom and mom to not be heteronormative uh, shop. Why do you think, I mean, obviously because you're alternative, but like why if you wanted to run a store, why did you not think about opening a franchise? Why were you like, no, this has to be separate and distinct? Well, I want to say one thing to you guys. You guys have some fucking awesome questions. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, we're I, we're I, scholars. Yeah, I, and sluts. <laughs> yeah, you guys, are, you guys are good. No, you're really good. Oh, we um, appreciate that. Feel free here. to compliment us at any here. time throughout the interview. <laughs> I, I'll make sure I leave my reviews everywhere, honestly. <laughs> Thank um, you, But Nina. I actually did. I, I actually did look at a franchise. I actually looked um, in the early days. I looked at Adam and Eve, and I was talking to a contact there, and it was a, it was a quite a bit of money. It, it was oh. quite a bit of money, and um, I just thought that the only difference between Adam and Eve in Oakland and Adam and Eve, just say for example, say in Sacramento, was that the distance between the two, and I wanted. Yeah. Not so much as I think a lot of us in the um, the smaller stores, and I say smaller stores, just, you know, not the chains, we always want to have this experience that's unique to us and that's different. And it's kind of hard to do that when you're all pulling products from the same place. <laughs> it really is. Right. Um, but not, but having a franchise and the trade off with a franchise, what they would give and how often you would have to pay them. It was, you know, it, it was just something that I, I just couldn't, I couldn't see after I looked at that. I mean, it's, they're great. They're a great company. We carry some of their products, great support. But I think, you know, to really know if you're really in business and what you're doing, you're going to have to really do it yourself. You're really going to have to do it yourself. And that doesn't mean that someone who does go to a franchise doesn't know what they're doing. But I think, you know, when you start small, you, you know, they also have size requirement, which you have to carry. Well, when you're in some urban nothing areas, you don't have inches. the luxury. <laughs> yeah, right. Nothing under nine inches and nothing Sorry. under like 2,000 square feet. Simone's on fire today. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, she is. She is. Uh, uh, and nothing under 2,000 square feet. So you also have to think about that. And when you're looking at urban areas, how far would this wow. Adam and Eve have to be out? So, you know, just looking at those kind of factors as well. It just well, I also I also hear that your approach is very like, uh, you know, it does designed to be for the individual and to really treat each person for their individual needs. And I think, you know, while some yeah. franchises have wonderful people working for them who are informed and that's great. Um, it, it sounds like you really try hard to make it a different experience and a community. How, what do you think people right. can expect like walking in that maybe they wouldn't get at a, a different, more franchise store? Like if they were coming to feel um, more for the first time. Right. What they're gonna what they're gonna feel when they f- come in to feel more is definitely a space that's different. You know, we I choose the products on samples that aren't the pink and the yellow kind of colors to kind of just bring it down. So when men come in or cisgender men or men come in the door, they're not like, oh, who's this store for? You know, you'll you'll get that a lot when you're at a sex store because they're like, oh, this stuff can't be for men because it's all pink. You know, so oh. we wanted to kind of bring that down as well. Um, but what they're gonna what they're going to get as far as customer service is someone who really listens to them. I think some stores, not just sex stores, people tend to listen to the customer based on what the values are for the day in sales. Like, okay, we have this product. We got to keep pushing this product. Let's do that. Versus what we do here is we, we make sure we listen to them. I think uh, as you're, you're, you're servicing a client in an urban area. You have to always, I, I'm sorry that I'm just, I, maybe I'm not the best salesperson, but, I'm always thinking about you're probably living with someone. You're probably in a roommate situation where you, you, you don't really, you, you need to make sure that the vibrator is silent I so, or at least wonder. quiet. Oh so. my gosh. Oh my gosh. I live Nina. alone, thankfully. Me, uh, Nicoletta lives alone, but seriously, <laughs> when I masturbate and I'm using a toy, I'm wondering. You're always thinking someone's listening. I'm yeah. wondering. <laughs> If my roommate can hear, especially Do you those want weird. Her to hear you? No, especially <laughs> those weird slurping noises that the womanizer makes. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the womanizer now, like shaking my head. Yeah, it does not stop suckling. Like, the starlet. The I starlet. still know that yeah, I'm sure so neighbors know. hear me, and I always laugh when I walk out because and I see them in the hall, and I'm like, "Do they know that that's me?" Who well, makes those noises? Right, right. But no, you make yeah, the noises versus the toy about making the noises. Oh, the toy. Because I can keep myself relatively quiet. I just wonder. Yeah. And one time I had earplugs in because I was about to go to sleep. And then I was like, oh, no, let's rub a quick one out. And then <laughs> I was like, fuck, I had earplugs in. I literally have no idea what she could have we're all about destigmatizing. So like as long as it's not waking somebody up that doesn't want to be woken up, like let your sex toy noises ring. There you- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but so you, you, you would not, you would not, you cannot imagine how many people come in and they're like, I live with someone or my parent has moved in with me. You know, like people yeah. and their money is very tight these days. They're having to move their parents in. So you're having to kind of, you know, remember that, keep that, keep that information in the back of your head. You may not present it to the customer, but at least keep it in your head to say, okay, you want to, you want to get a great product for your amount of money because you've worked all day. You you've mentioned worked something, all day. You mentioned something before about the colors of the things that you choose. And I think what really stood out to me um, a while back when I first started doing sex education and things like that was I was trying to teach a class and I went to the store to try to get a couple, a couple different um, like dildos and things like that. And 
you know, at most of the stores, all of the ones that I could use for demos were all white. And all of the, uh-huh. you know, dildos of color um, were huge. You know, it was like the big black yeah. cock ones. And the only ones that yeah. I could find in between were like the rainbow tantus ones. And so I got wonder it, if it. you found some good companies that are really pushing the the boundaries and the limits of like the past sort of like racist sex toys of your. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I think that's a great question. I think in this industry, um, someone asked me uh, 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 to reframe it um, was, <clears throat> do you think the sex industry uh, can do away with misogyny and, uh, you know, um, just disparaging things that they in in the in the pursuit of sex around, you know, diversity, people of color, like, you know, is it always going to be this big black black man's cock that's on the on the box? Um, And I think that because of those things, because they charge you that they're going to stay like we don't talk about it a lot, but they're going to stay. But I think as we we do education here in our staff, like even shopping while brown, talking about Mm. how it is to make sure that when people come in the store and they're a person of color, that we we're we're on our not so much as best behavior, because that's that's what Starbucks is doing right now. But like sensitive to your own bias. yeah, you're, you're exactly that you're really sensitive. And so when someone brings up that that question that you can have an informed answer for them, not a canned answer, but an informed answer. So I think when you go into stores, you're you're when you're dealing with your sex, your sex is your sex. You you know what you like. You're not going to tell people what you like. And even when you buy what you like or what people may think you like, it may not be for you. It may be for something else. So you can't really assume why people are buying what they're buying. But I think in the industry, we also have an opportunity to t- to do our best to educate our customers with packaging. And I think that's what's happening. Yeah, and well, that's not to say people can't like and buy those things, and that's great. Right. You know, But to have more options, how do you educate and hire your staff? Because it sounds like you are creating this community. So, of course, you're maybe going right. to want to hire and educate staff that, that is informed and, and has done some work on themselves so that they can interact right. in a great way with customers. Right. <laughs> you guys got you guys are in an urban area too, huh? Yeah. I thought I was gonna hear a the sirens po- the on this. Is coming the as police. We talk about you did cars. say I was on fire. <laughs> we got we got we we're across the street from a uh Oaksterdam um Cannabis University. So right now we got the news trucks out here because tomorrow is 420. Is tomorrow 420? It is 420. See, yes. everybody in the store. People are in the store right now. They say, yes, let me know if you guys need anything, guys. Um, and so, <laughs> like I'm just um, doing interview. Right. So, so when I, when I, when I um, actually interview someone for the store, what I do is I make sure that I take them around to the businesses that I go to in the neighborhood and talk about the neighborhood. We don't just have an in-store interview of how do you sell a product? What do you know about retail? We talk about cultural perspective. I don't know if that's right or not because we don't have like that big HR department. But I think I bring it up because it's it's really real. It's real how um, people of color come into the store. And our space is our space is small. So can you imagine like you going up to help someone and then feeling like you're just intruding on their personal space, even inside of a personal space? You know, you have to balance the floor. We talk about balancing our floor and making sure that we're very clear on what we're talking about and making sure that we're, you know, where some some places or like in the south. 
a lot of people are like, hey, girl, what's going on? Well, we don't use girl here, one, mm-hmm. because it's uh, it's not, you know, someone may not be a girl. They right. may be presenting as a girl, but they may be uh, transitioning without the body yet. And so we want to be respectful of that as well. But then it's also an age thing. It's also uh, power dynamics. So if I don't stay up on those things, I can't teach the people that we bring in here about those things as well. And we incorporate the community to let them know why we're here, how we're to serve and how we're to support those people who the business people who are in the area, like the bars and the restaurants and how they come in and they actually spend their money with us. When they spend their money with us, we make sure that we send people back to their business and sit with them because it's a, it's an even exchange. You think this would be self-explanatory for business owners and sex shops, but it's not. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, so, weirdly surprised at how holistic your business model is and it also makes complete sense. You mentioned how you have how you need to stay up on all of this in order to properly educate uh, your employees or staff or whatever you call the people running your shop. How do you stay on top of it? What kind of work do you do? Um, Because I feel like that could be very valuable for all of us who just want to stay aware. Um, Right. I definitely, um, well, one, you'd have to date someone who's in, uh, uh, who's doing their PhD in eth- uh, race and ethnicity. Okay. <laughs> That's please send your, uh, please send your so, curriculum, please send your curriculum vitae to slutsandscholars at gmail.com if you're listening. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> right. Dr. Dr. Jen, Dr. Jen Tran, uh, she's uh, my partner. We talk about it all the time. So I'm always in school with her. She's graduating next month, but um, also just just reading what other companies are doing, and we reflect on that as a as a team here. Uh, in addition to that, I'm always looking at different uh, different industries and what they're doing, and just staying on the front lines, just keeping my eyes open, not waiting for something to happen to be reactive, but also making sure that people are growing and they can also transfer that to their business because we're, we, we have a lot of part-time workers here, but we want to make sure that they're also working in the space that reinforces what we're teaching. Yeah. So it doesn't really, maybe if you're just to say, I'm not saying I won't hire someone at McDonald's, but maybe someone is working at McDonald's. No one's coming in there and it may not be as prominent as working in a Starbucks where you're dealing with uh, homeless people coming in there all the time or people sitting and who have to buy. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So it's not helping with the reinforcement. So we're choosing people who are like in education, uh, people who are dealing with children, um, and, and they're just doing good stuff in their own industry as well. And that helps to reinforce and they're able to teach. And a lot of people, when they first come in here, they're afraid to talk about that until we talk about that. They're like, wow, I'm glad that you talk, you spoke about it. So we, 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 we do some revolutionary stuff here. And I think mm. it's important because how many people we can train that work here or how many people go back out into the community can effectively appreciate and support those people that are out in the community as wow. well. I mean, I'm so glad and so grateful that you kept going despite getting rejected by these other toy sh- other toy shops and companies. I wonder if you have any advice for other people out there who are, you know, really excited about it, a dream and have maybe hit some barriers. Like, how did you keep going? I'd say to, to keep going from a dream, <clears throat> you have to... Um, you just have to really want it. If you're hungry enough, you're going to, you're going to do it. And as I said, I had the dream and I wanted to be in the adult industry. The great thing would have been have 
would have been to just open right up without any issues with the planning commission and investment of the money that I needed to have, Mm -hmm. but just to open. But I think me saying, I'm not going to let my long-term dream in the short-term circumstances affect my long-term dream. So that's when I took it in my car. Sometimes you have to uh, ask for forgiveness rather than permission to go out there and just do exactly what you want to do as long as it's right. You yeah. get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. If it's not wrong, someone can say, hey, don't do that later on. But as long as it's right, do what's right. Do what's right for you. Do what's right for your community. And you can never lose. Yeah, don't oh. let someone else determine your your fate. Don't let their rejection determine your future. Okay, 45 minutes. Okay. Do you, you can take a break if you want. We can just go. <laughs> yeah, do you need to take a break to, to sell oh, something? No, it's all good. We don't we're want talking you to about, lose business. We're talking about a cock ring. Oh, so, what's so that? So that's a single... That's a single speed cock ring. She got her glasses on over here. Go for it. Take take your time. Talk to your it's customer. Yes, yeah. we support your business. Do you have any questions about anything? Uh, no. You good? Yeah. Hey, nice to meet you. How'd you find it? I've been here before. Okay. I went next door. Okay. Okay. And I think I read about you. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah. Do right, it business. Yeah, it was good to hear how you how yeah, you said you hello. Yeah, you asked their name. That was incredible. <laughs> um, was she I, was she a plant? Was she planted? No, not at all. There has <laughs> been like three people that came in, so but I funny. had the door closed. Which we ne- we never op- we never close our door. We never close our door. We've never closed our door or our gates for a protest that has happened in downtown Oakland. We've never boarded up our windows. We don't have. Um, Shaded windows, which is, I'm glad for that because it's also safety for the people inside. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, and we also keep the, like I said, we keep the door open, but I get outside and I sweep the street. It's about having presence beyond your door. If you're waiting as a, yeah, if you're waiting for people to come in, you got to go outside so they can see who they're coming into. Yeah. And I think, another, I mean, in reading articles about you beforehand, um, I saw that a billboard that you had for Fillmore that was made the um, yeah. What was it? Our, the bullet? Yeah, the bullets one. Our bullets. Our, our, go ahead. Don't hurt. Our, our bullets, bullets don't, don't hurt. Our bullets don't. Like what a way yeah. to announce your existence to the community. I think that's. I think that's kind of an extension of what you're talking about by sweeping out the front. You're saying this is who you're interacting with when you come into this store. Right. Um, that billboard came about because um, my mother had passed away and it was at the, the day that um, <clears throat> I think it was Mike Brown mm. who was uh, killed at the hands of police officers. And in Oakland, anytime something happened around the world, it happened in Oakland in, pro- in the form of protest. Mm. And that particular day, my business is uh, one block from City Hall. So everything is happening in this particular epicenter. Wow. And um and so what you'll, what you'll see is, uh, those are Kegel balls. <laughs> yeah, those are smaller Kegel balls. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, small, <laughs> smaller than those right there. So, and what you're hearing uh, so, in the yeah, background, so, listeners, so, is, is Nina multitasking <laughs> while she is running her badass st- store in Oakland and talking to us. So, yeah, yeah go no, on. Just a little smaller. So, um, so yeah, so we had like, we had 40, we had about 40 police officers that were lined up 
and walking toward the crowd, marching in unison. And I was just sitting there and I was like, hey, our bullets don't hurt. Valentine's Day is coming up. And, you know, even though it was some time away and someone said to me, they was like, oh, wow. They was like, our bullets don't hurt. I like that. And so I actually put that in my mental notebook. And um, but it came about because of that. It came about because. uh, But the billboard, the billboard took two years because I was afraid as a small business. I think a lot of times right now what's happening in the uh, political and the economic business Mm -hmm. landscape is you can't say anything because out of fear of, uh, you know, losing your customer base or losing sales Mm -hmm. as a small business. I was afraid to do that even in the community because a lot of people are like, oh, that's effed up. And I just said, just forget it. I'm going to go with it. This is my way as a small business for to bring light to something in juxtaposition that is going to, that's happening, continues to happen. But at least we can make people who stop in this particular area aware Mm -hmm. of what we're talking about. Not just a sex product, but the kid, when kids say, mom, what bullets, what, what bullets don't hurt? Pleasure yes. one. Yes, yes. That's, that's amazing. That's powerful. That is really fucking yeah, powerful, that's powerful, Nina. How did you receive any blowback from the billboard? Or did you notice like a spike in sales? Uh, yeah, we have, uh, we actually have received a lot of uh, just community support that really appreciate that. Um, as far as sales, I'm sure there's some people that come in, but for the most part, we're going to keep it up there because. Um, that's what it is. I mean, it's it's the truth. It's really the truth. Yeah. And we're going to keep staying with the truth. Uh, the hand up there, some women, I went to a Bernie rally one year. Uh, well, the only year, 2016. <laughs> and some women were, I had I had a Fillmore t-shirt on. She was like, oh yeah, we just saw your billboard. We were really kind of puzzled, like the hand that's up there. Because usually when you see sex products, it's usually, uh, I'll say cis, cis white women who are in interacting with the billboard yeah. and that's what sells sex, but it's my hand up there. Fuck yeah. It's my hand. Yes. That hand is a brown hand. And so I had took that. I was like, there was another protest that was happening one day and there was a, a photographer. I was like, Hey, you can use the bathroom. I said, can you do something for me? He said, yeah. So he went across to the other business across the street that had a, not a lot of light coming in. And he took these photos for me what? and I used those photos, photoshopped and put the billboard together myself. You just I, make shit happen. You make shit happen. And the, the, the amount of, um, how, how your business and your, life is interwoven with the community that you're serving is really beautiful. Um, and I'm super into it. Thank you. Do you, you mentioned that Thank your you. family was from the South. Do you feel like you <laughs> learned some of that like community hospitality? Like where did you, <laughs> like, no, like where did you get this idea to really make sure you're combined and a part of the community? Like how did you know and where did you get that, uh-huh. that, I, that idea to put those two together? Because I think it's so important and so necessary, but that's not a thing that a lot of people do. Uh, well, growing up, my parents actually were um, protesters who did a lot of protesting between Las Vegas and Atlanta. They're with the Southern, um, Southern Christian Leadership Conference oh. that would go out, pull people. And so my mom was in the Watts Riot at a time. So ah, we were sitting at the kitchen table listening to all of this. But my grandmother actually owned a couple grocery stores on the west side of Las Vegas at the time. Um, I think she was in the community, but she missed the true meaning of the community, like to look at 
uh, why, why there was only one, you know, no grocery stores on our side of town, you know, advocating for that, mm-hmm. having advocating for a bigger community. I think a lot of times people will, won't advocate for a community when they're on, they're the only business that's in town because they want all of the money. But this is, it's more than just that. These are people's lives. There's reasons why there is only one store in that particular community or one school or, you know, like there was segregate, that was, that was historical segregation. No yeah. one's bringing services to to brown communities. And so as a business owner, I think it's important. I mean, it's the same thing that Harvey Milk did. You know, he he put he started his camera store and then he started to um, look at what was going on in the community. And he started to be about politics. And it's like, I think we can use our storefronts for those particular things. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you have a space and you're not doing something for the community, feeding the homeless or supporting people or collecting or doing whatever you can do with the time and the resources you do have, I think you're 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 doing a disservice the to your community. What are you doing? Yeah. Is that what you mean when you say you're you do pop culture combined with sexual expression? Yes. I'm really curious. Um, so you kind of glossed over that you won two feminist porn awards. I'd love to know for what, how you got involved in making porn, directing porn. I don't know if you performed. Um, uh-huh. I'd love to just hear about that and, and what it means to have received feminist porn awards and what defines porn as feminist. So there's a lot of things that I want to know. Right, right. Um, well, I started with uh, porn. I didn't start in porn. I just directed it. Um, <clears throat> I have a, I have a camera and production experience in my background because my uncle owned a company and he get free labor out of me. Yeah. So um, I, I would watch a lot of porn. I'm like, hey, this is really good stuff. I was like, there's really something missing and it's probably just me. And so what I did was I wrote... Um, a scenario or a storyline, if you will, very light storyline. Porn is never really storyline. Yeah, what, what is the storyline? Uh, <laughs> it was uh, the t- the storyline was basically having um, sex in uh, restrictive places, <laughs> uh, just looking at where people just like kind of fall into each other and they just do what they do. And that particular piece was called "Tight Places: A Drop of Color," which um, I I I shot, I edited, I directed it, all of that. And at that particular time, I, um, after I was almost done, I pitched it to uh, Good Vibrations at the time and they ended up buying my film. Wow. Where can what? we watch this? And what are the tight places? <laughs> uh, it's on Crash Pad. It's on, it's on Pink and White Production. Oh, yay. And cra- you said Crash Pad. Crash Pad is great. Yeah, Crash, yeah, Crash Pad. It's uh, the company that owns Crash Pad. It's Pink and White Production. Got it. Um, what are the tight places? Yes. What are the tight places? Uh, t- uh, tight, the tight places. Uh, <laughs> were, they butt. were in the restroom. It was in the toilet. Uh, I know. Don't say anything. The toilet. <laughs> the restroom, the toilet, the chair, outside near the power meters. It was just like every place that you 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 didn't think you could, but you could have yeah. sex. So. <laughs> yes. I fucked to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. You did? <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. We're gonna keep this in the episode. Oh. <laughs> you always say that, and we then have you a do. cemetery like that. We have a cemetery like I've cemetery that like cemetery that out here called the Mountain View. Yeah, I've been there. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Like I have yeah, feel it like is. it's disrespectful, and, and they do everything but I also think it's sexy. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking hot. Um, okay, but then if, you- if they're if they're at pre eighteen hundreds, it's all it's all. Good. <laughs> <laughs> if you um, so you did you, and you won an award for drop of color in tight places or. Yeah, so it was a uh, most diverse cast. I think what I wanted to do was every person in there was um, 
every person there was a person of color, mm -hmm. except, uh, not except, every person was a person of color, honestly. Uh, Iranian, uh, Latina, uh, Native American, uh, African American. Uh, and what stood out most to me, I think you got to kind of look at these things a little deeper, was people would only think that it wasn't, it was just one black person. So everyone else could have passed for white huh. and with one black person. So I kind of sat with that and I was just like, wow, this is where this, where this content is going is indicative that people are looking at the other cast members as passing as white mm -hmm. and not as just brown people. Yeah. I don't think we would have won it if it was just, you know, brown people in the beginning. Wow. Um, but yeah, so we, we did very well with that film. I, I couldn't go at that time. That was when I first opened up my store. So I was doing double time and doing things. And I think porn really helped as far as marketing yeah. and gave me a voice and uh, a corner in books, if you will, for writers to, you know, just get out there and start writing. And they, included us in the story i think we've probably been in about eight or nine books wow. um you know just alongside of other people and um it's it's really been an honor because it's also how people find the store as well so yeah. we're very grateful that there are a lot of readers out there that are finding us and um and you won two awards for that one or was your second award for another product i my second award was for another product which was called hella brown real <laughs> sex in the city and um, I filmed that one between Oakland and San Francisco. And uh, yeah, we just had an all brown cast with that, which is as a queer film that's unheard of. And it's very, you'll have a lot of queer directors out there, but they rarely, or, or people of color, but they mm -hmm. rarely create an entire piece. Uh -huh. It's usually just uh, one scene. And then they're like, hey, it's coming, it's coming, and it never comes. And, you know, so... It, you know, we, we created it from beginning to end and had a great time doing it and, and, and won an award. That's so. amazing. Congratulations. That's fucking amazing. Okay, Nina. Thank you. You are yep. a queer woman of color who has directed porn, mm -hmm. who owns a sex shop, um, who's kind of, I wouldn't necessarily say that I know of, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm wrong, that there's a lot of people that are like you. Right? I would say you're kind of a mm -hmm. trailblazer in a sense. Do you... Okay. Does that mean anything to you? Do you think that's true? I, I Do I think I'm a trailblazer? Uh, no, I think that there is just like when people say, I don't see the kind of porn I like out there. I'm like, well, have you seen all the porn that's out there? <laughs> if you haven't, um, it's just, it's not advertised and it's not just bubbling to the top. But I think that there are a lot of people out there doing some great things as well. Um, I just, I think... For me, it's, I don't know if it's just the inclusion of politics that I, that I, that I fuse with what I do that helps it to come to the top or what it is. But, um, I've just been blessed with the opportunity to, to tell a story and to show a different way to do, to be in this business because, you know, you got to think about it. Like to be in the adult business, you're not getting loans from banks. Right. You know, it's very hard for, for us to stay in business and a construction project comes, it, it could shut you down, mm. you know, because the city, even though the city is like taking your tax dollars, they're not supporting you because you're just a few and far between type of business. Now, if you were, a, you know, a part of a restaurant, you know, chain and you had 10 restaurants in the area, they may say, hey, let's go and advocate for this. But they're not advocating for 
or um, adult stores. That's a big thing. That, They're not advocating for that. That's a big thing that we talk about on the podcast is just like stigma that you have felt based on the work that you do. And so would you say that it, right. that it has been hard to maintain a business that's this kind of business? It is very hard. It's very hard. You know, you'll hear a lot of people tell you that they really love it. Some people will say the money is great or whatever, but most, most, I think you will hear say, I just really love what I do. I love making sure that there's access and not a lot of people can take those hits, emotional hits, um, stigmas that people throw out at you or snide remarks that people may throw out you mm. just being a part of the sex industry. You could be a podcaster. You could just be, you know, have friends in the business or he- hit, go to a store too many times and they're like, oh my God, what is she doing? Who is she? You know, she's a freak. And, and uh, judging your, your, judging your actions and making you feel less than a person. Um, but I think a lot of people in the sex industry actually have higher self-esteem than a lot of people out there. Mm. I mean, that's why I think it's good that you have created community because I think the comment that Simone said before does speak a little bit to the bubble that we live in and and our privilege and mm-hmm. knowing that there are resources out there. There are people like you that you can connect with and it sounds like you're really creating a catalyst to do that. Like you just have to find your community. You have to find your people and you have to find the resources. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to look a little more, but it's, it's out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, yeah, do, you, yeah. there, there it's out there. do you feel like you're more frequently um, supported by maybe more uh, queer or people of color centric media? No, not at all. I don't think uh, queer or people color centric media own the airwaves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to go with what's out there yeah. and, you know, yeah. you know, check the box and hopefully someone gets it and, you know, they bring you in. Otherwise, they're going to bring in someone who's who can uh, who they think can appeal to a cisgender crowd. But you got to understand this is sex. When you go behind the door, everybody's queer. Sorry, we're very excited. Simone is jumping in her chair. There. Yeah. Sex is just where you're, you know, you don't know what sex looks like. There is no sex is just a three letter word, but it has no definition other than doing something. I don't even look at the definition in the dictionary because I don't think it's true. I think it's what you make of it. Oh, yeah. If you read a book and you call that sex, that's sex. Yeah. You can take a vibrator and put it on your ear and you can get off. That's sex for you. Yeah, like we're about to go eat after this and that is is sexual to me. (laughs) That's orgasmic. Is it? Because I'm going with No, I'm I'm eating the the food. (laughs) The process of me eating the food is just me. (laughs) Okay. I guess I could ask the burrito (laughs) for consent. Nice, nice. We love that. Oh my gosh, Nina, you are fucking amazing. And it's been so wonderful having you. I'm sorry that we distracted you from your customers. Yeah, we're so grateful that you took the time to speak with us on a business day. I can open this door up. Um, Smell all the weed that's outside. And yes, open. happy 420. Okay. We recorded this before 420. Um, no, it's and for up okay. in the Bay Area. I'm like bummed that I'm not going to Berkeley now. <laughs> Uh, you could still change. <laughs> no, it's too late. I withdrew. Um, so how can people find you? How can they find the store? We want to get people in touch with you and your awesome community that you've created. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate everything. Uh, they can always find us on Twitter 
and Facebook at Fillmore510. Uh, they can find us on Instagram at Fillmore underscore AG. They can find us in Oakland at 1703 Telegraph Avenue. They can find us on the web at Fillmore510.com. Uh, and they just can find us, you know, in their hearts, if they will. You know, I think when you're when you're building a business, you definitely need people to really understand it. And we're seeking those people who really understand and can help us grow. Every every product in here, I can count on my hand that it's from someone. It's because people believed in us. And for those out there starting businesses, especially sex store businesses or any business related to the sex industry, just keep going and know that what you're doing, you're really saving someone's life. You really are. Your words just brought Simone and I to tears. <laughs> wow, Nina, you really are a really incredible person. Thank you. I'm so happy you, you no, to do our Joy crying. No, yeah, it's fucking awesome. Uh, I, I, I think if not only sex stores, but I feel like if all businesses had the social and political component that you obviously infuse your business and kind of all you do with, um, the world would be better. So thank you. Yeah. I, yeah. I look, I look forward to uh, talking to you guys and also running for office one day. Fuck yes. What are you yes. running for? Uh, why not go for president? You Who should knows? go president. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nina, amazing, brilliant. Nina, thank you so fucking much for joining us on our podcast. Please, listeners, if you're in the Bay, go to Feel More 510 on Telegraph um, and just follow what they're doing because obviously it's really rad and important work. If you want to find out more about what we're doing, you can follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, and please email us your thoughts, your wishes, your hopes, your dreams, your fantasies, your guest suggestions, whatever, at slutsandscholars at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Bye.